Welcome back to Joygasm, where we talk about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and with me is Santa's little helper, Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, as we jingle all the way into episode 52 today, December 23rd, 2017. To get the most out of Joygasm, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on joygasm.tv and soundcloud.com slash joygasmtv. Also, for exclusive access and some sweet goodies, check us out at patreon.com slash joygasm. And no matter which platform you use to enjoy the show, please show some Christmas spirit by dropping us a subscription, thumbs up, or a review. It helps us build awareness, which we appreciate very much. And a big thank you to those who have done so already. We have a s'more of a show to close out 2017 today. Gaming news includes the Steam Winter Sale, Street Fighter V Arcade Edition, Apple cracking down on loot boxes for iOS, the top-selling games for 2017, a Witcher 3 update, the most popular game in the world comes to America, and Xbox One X gets a free game for a limited time. Movie news includes 2017's biggest flops and the Disney Fox deal. Could see some job cuts. Just how many? We'll go into the numbers. And finally, technology news has Apple in the spotlight. Our topic of the day is our favorite game and movie of 2017. But first things first, how are you doing, my brother? I'm back from the dead, Russ. I am back from the dead. You are a sight for sore eyes, I must say. I was in a snot coma for about a week. And I, I heard you uh, speak about Star Wars. And you're right. I, I was, the, the, when, I, when we left the theater the night, and uh-huh. I was like, man, I'm so cold. <laughs> you're like, oh, well, that's because it's like 40 degrees outside. I don't know, Russ. I don't know. You're like, are you getting sick? Yeah. Uh-huh. I never stopped. I'm, I'm telling you, I went home. You know, I'm one of those people who showers at night, not in the morning, but in, you know, in the night. And I jumped in the shower when I got home and it was like, what, two in the morning or something? Oh yeah, it was late. And I could not even warm up with the hot water in the shower. That's how like cold I was. And um, <laughs> it went downhill from there. Um, Did you even remember anything from the movie or were you just miserable just sitting in that chair? Oh, I remember a lot from the movie, Rush. Oh, okay. I remember a lot from the movie. Like a steel trap, oh, this guy. Goodness. I, you know, I probably should say that uh, I'm going to give my half for the lucky... The lucky, <laughs> the lucky patrons. Absolutely. Here, uh, our bonus episode will be coming out in just a few days for those who subscribe to uh, patreon.com slash joygasm. They'll get a little extra something, something. They'll get some Steve rantings. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I feel like I haven't felt normal in a long time. Normal as in, as in healthy. And I, I feel great right now, which is probably what normal was before I got sick. Uh-huh. But that's how bad it was. I had a temp of like almost 103. and Oh my goodness. It was it was terrible. Um, so man, I, I feel like I can jingle all the way. I'm telling you, it's good to see you. It feels like I haven't seen you in forever. I know. I, know. I had to, I, I, I was, I was missing you. And so when I heard you on the podcast, I'm like, oh, that's Russ, my brother. That's so nice. And then I thought, man, I haven't seen anybody outside the house in the longest time. You know? uh-huh. 
Uh, Back from the dead. Man, I feel like I just want to go run up to somebody in the store and be like, oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> like, who's this going? I'm like, I'm just happy to be alive. I was going to say, isn't it great to be alive? Uh, getting maced by people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'm happy. <laughs> it's not as bad uh, as having the flu. But I'm my since I'm asthmatic, I, I still am coughing a bit. So sorry for everybody if I have to cough in your ear <laughs> uh-huh. a, a bit. But I'm not sick anymore. It's just the asthma clinging on to what it can. How are you? I am fantastic. I got to tell you, it's good. I've been on vacation for the last week, and I have one more week to look forward to a vacation. So you're you're catching me right in the throes of vacationism and it's just it's a fantastic thing beautiful oh it's a beautiful thing right there i feel reborn it's just amazing be getting uh, some sleep and uh oh i'm in check this out so my in-laws were taking care of my daughter for like the last four days so that means i got to sleep in till like 11 o'clock in the morning every day like i i remember the first day (laughs) i woke up i'm like i have not felt this way for a million years it's just amazing, like how sleep and relaxation just constantly just recharges you. But I'm feeling really good. I, I've been able to get a lot of stuff done. I guess I could just. Do you want me to segue into just talking about what I've been doing? Do it, Russ. Okay. So one of the biggest things actually has nothing to do with video games or movies. It focuses on me getting back into ZBrush. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who um, are not aware of what ZBrush is, ZBrush is a fantastic 3D application by Pixelogic. And I started using it back in around 2004, 2005, but right when like, I think the first release of ZBrush came out and I was really blown away by what it could do. The fun, as fate would have it though, a lot of the jobs that I got really didn't, require that I need to use or, or know ZBrush that well. So I, I have this ongoing relationship. It's kind of funny with ZBrush where there'll be like pockets of time where I'll have free time and I'll just devote my, my attention and focus to just getting back up to speed with it. And then I'll be producing a couple of really fun digital sculptures and then life will happen and then I'll have to put it down for a while and then I'll come back to it. Just it's kind of that rinse and repeat notion. So I'm feeling really good about it though. Like just, I was, I've been watching like six to eight hours a day worth of tutorials and the, the, the ZBrush summits that they've been having over the past couple of years, just looking at people with just tremendous talent from like Blizzard Entertainment or um, even like, like Funko Pop and they make all those little Funko Pop toys and whatnot. They had some of the, the ladies up there who do a lot of the, the character sculpting and stuff, which was really cool. I just, there's just a huge, those gorilla games was there. They, um, I could go on and on and on about all the different people who were were giving different types of demos and stuff. But so I was doing that. I've been having fun with overwatch winter wonderland, Mm. which is fun. They, you probably saw they, they had some new skins and some new emotes and stuff. Actually, I haven't even looked it up. I, I, uh, I, it's been, it's been a minute, Russ. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's something that we can do maybe this weekend is, is uh, play some, some Overwatch. Oh, that reminds me. I remember when uh, pre-sickness, uh, you were like, hey, you want to play some Pre-infection. Yeah. Uh, Hijacking of my white and red blood cells. <laughs> oh, <ooh>. uh, <laughs> that's just your mucus popping up to say yeah, hello really. before we're going right back down below. Uh, oh, man, that reminds me. 
Remember that scene out of The Simpsons like a long time ago, many, many seasons ago when Bart's trying to be sick from school and his, and his, and his uh, white blood cells are fighting off like an infection? And you, and you see uh, the soldier going, ah, Sir, we keep on getting orders from above that lay down oh, our yeah. arms. Ah, must be a school day. All right, men, yeah. lay it down. <laughs> and then the virus is like, oh, All right, <laughs> let's make some pus. I remember that. <laughs> that was way back in like the 90s. Um, anyhow, you were saying, Hey, let's play some Overwatch. And oh, went, yeah. I went, oh, It's great. Let's do it. I mean, and, then, and then you said, Oh, your, uh, your headset's still over here. I know. looked over at my little coffee table. I was like, oh, now we can't talk. Yeah. We were trying to figure out a way for us to, you both come through clear on Twitch. And uh, so I brought my headset over thinking we can have both microphones plugged into the Xbox and it didn't really work out that way. But nope. then I forgot to uh, bring them home. Luckily after the show, you'll be able to take your headphones back home with you. And then yes. we can resume said banter as we play some Overwatch. But yeah, they've got some cool new skins. Mm -hmm. They've also got some, um, some new emotes, I believe some new victory poses, that sort of thing. I think probably my favorite skins out of there are from, uh, Anna and, um, Roadhog. Roadhog's got a really cool mm. one for, for winter. Um, actually Sombra's got a pretty cool one too. She's got kind of this whole ice princess thing going on, which is, is pretty cool. So we must, Indeed. we shall yeah. get back into some some Overwatch. Is there a, like a Winter Wonderland map, maybe? Or uh... so they have two new game types. One is I can't remember exactly what it's called, but essentially there's a bunch of maze, and you're you're all trying to take out a Winston who's like a Yeti. Oh. And so there's one player who is Winston, and he in when you're playing him, you have to try and of course avoid like the five maze or whatever. And you are trying to get these like slabs of meat that are kind of randomly spawning throughout a map. If you get four or five meats in a row, then all of a sudden you're invincible for a certain amount of time. And so then you're huh. trying to like take out the other maze. And so it's, it's actually a pretty fun mode. Interesting. I have unlocked a couple of achievements in there. It's pretty good. good. The other game mode, um, I think is actually from last year, which is this whole snowball fights like maze snowball fight. So everyone is a, a may character and I, I did not play this last year. So when I was going into it this time, I was like, okay, let's see how this works. And, and literally you start out the match with just one snowball. Once you fire it, then you have to look for like a pile of snow to like suck up and turn into another snowball to shoot. So it's not like you have your guns where you could rapid fire. So you have to be really careful. Hmm. And then of course her ultimate is then her little robot comes out and generates a bunch of snowballs. And then you have like a limited window of opportunity to like rapid fire. Sure. So it's pretty cool overall. I did on the movie side of things. I watched Ghost in the Shell. Did you ever see that? Not the new one. Actually, that's on my Netflix list, but I I haven't seen the new one. Yeah, this is the new one with Scarlett Johansson was yeah. in it. Visually speaking, it was really cool. Just really, really neat to see how the director reimagined the the, the classic. You know, the, the anime classic is just one of the best in oh, anime yeah, for sure. Um, but to see it, it, it turn into more of a live action film, I think they did a great job. Hmm. The one problem that I, I noticed was just that in terms of plot, it is kind of shallow, which you know, a lot of, of Ghost in the Shell from the, the original anime film, they deal with kind of a lot of abstract philosophies and whatnot. So I, I could see how like them trying to translate that over. It's kind of like, okay, well, this is going to be more of like a popcorn movie. But that, I mean, I, I kind of expected that going in, so... 
So that was good. I have also started to play Dishonored 2. Oh. Did you ever play the first Dishonored? No. I bought it and I never played it. I, I started to play the very, very beginning intro part and then it just got lost in my pile of games I had to play. So I never actually played it. And so I, I decided, okay, let's, let's start with Dishonored 2. That game is pretty darn good. <clears throat> I gotta say, like like the, the graphic style is super cool. I think it probably looks the best on PC just because I could tell that the textures were a bit muddy. Like you could tell they had to kind of down res it a bit for the console. And so I, I may go pick up a digital version of that game and try it out on the old comp and see how it is. But I mean, the, the depth of how you can acquire abilities and attributes of your character and whatnot, <clears throat> at first they were kind of intimidating, but now it's like, okay, I'm digging this. I'm getting it. I still don't really know the, the names because the names are, are kind of a bit more creative in terms of um, just, it's not like, here's Jimmy. And uh, he's going to go do this thing. Like, like, so I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around kind of what's Here's going on. Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> it probably doesn't help either that like I didn't play the first game. So this is probably a, a continuation from where the first game left off. So I'm kind of like, Hey, so it'd be like me going into empire strikes back and be like, um, I don't really know what's going on. It looks really cool. <laughs> Gotta learn some stuff. So Anyway, how about you, Steve? Other, other than you being, um, you know, in your deathbed, have you been yeah. playing anything or watching anything? Playing, no. Watching, yes. Actually, I started watching this uh, the show on Netflix. Uh, we, you and I, saw the preview for it, and we were like, "Oh, what's that show?" We couldn't remember the name of it. Well, I remember the name of it, Longmire. Oh yeah. So that's actually it. It's it's a decent show. It's it's kind of sitcommy in a way. Uh, kind of safe for TV, perhaps. Uh-huh. But it's this uh, old school type um, sheriff who just you know, solves, you know, random homicides and murders and this, that, and the other. Um, but it's strangely addicting. Like, I do w- enjoy the show. Uh, it's not like I'd highly recommend it, you know, to a lot of folks, but I don't know. It's, you know what, I... I it, it's good for us is, is calming you down if you're having a long day ah. uh, or not thinking too much. So sometimes <clears throat> like last night, I, I, I hate thinking. Yeah. It hurts the old yeah, noggin. <laughs> you can't overthink stuff, Russ. <laughs> so like last night, for example, I watched a little more Stranger 2. Oh, good for you. What is, is that a double negative? What is that? More Stranger? More Stranger Than? Stranger Than? Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, I watched... More Stranger Things. Uh-huh. Two. <laughs> you may think uh, it is the show that I'm referring to. Oh, no. I just like to watch things that are a bit stranger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyhow, I am, I'm, I'm on. Let's see. What, what's happened? So, uh, the kid, the, the, uh, Mike, uh-huh. he's having the visions and stuff. Which is really the way they do the, that that alternate reality vision stuff is actually really well done. Oh wait, you're talking about Will? Is it Will? Will's the one, Will's so the afflicted terrible. one. Yeah, I'm terrible. Mike man. is the is the uh, one of the other kids, like yeah. the leader of the bunch kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Will is it, it goes back and forth to the doctor and you know trying to explain his episodes and um, Mike is still trying to channel eleven. Uh-huh. Eleven is eleven with the cop. Yep. And so now they just had Halloween. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So that's where I am right now. And the, and the cop was late. Going Wasn't it on. awesome seeing him in Ghostbusters suits? Yeah. No, it was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so and it's neat how they they have that uh, the, the 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 
willy nillies, the nervous willy nillies with Mad Max. Sure. Uh, the two kid Dustin and uh, what's the other guy's name? Um, Philip. I think so. Yeah. And it was funny. Like, you, I, you can't be Vankman because I'm Vankman. Yeah, like, yeah. You gotta be Winston. Why? You know, you're like, you know, just don't say it. Just say it. <laughs> that was good uh, though. I like that part. What a great group of kids too, and they are so well cast. They are, man. The chemistry is is just perfect between them. Uh but anyhow, that 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 psychs my mind, you know, because I start thinking about everything, and 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 uh, it's very very fun to watch. But I always watch it before I'm supposed to go to bed, mm-hmm. and so uh, to calm my mind down, I'll, I'll flip back over to Longmire. And uh, so that'll soothe me out. I'm ready mm-hmm. to go. So like last night, for example, I didn't wake up once. I was just out. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. But no, that's been about it. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm almost, I've watched like nine or 10 episodes of Longmire. It's almost wow. done with season one. <laughs> yeah. So you, you are enjoying it. Yeah, actually I'm enjoying it. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's kind of family friendly in mm-hmm. a way. Um, but I like the, the old school nature of it and it's set in Wyoming. So there's a ton of beautiful country. And uh, I don't know, it, it's filmed pretty high res for what it is, mm-hmm. which is interesting because some of the shows are kind of lower res, but this one's like high for what it, I don't, I don't know. You know who is in it is um, Lou Diamond Phillips is in it also. Oh yeah, okay. So it's cool seeing him I again. I seen him in yeah. ages. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, I, I, it is entertaining <clears throat> for sure. So I'm going to keep watching it. I like it. Right on. So yeah. But that's been about it. I haven't played much just because I've been pretty lethargic. Yeah, no, I totally get it. It's like this... This bug that's going around, um, you know, our buddy Sean got yeah. it uh, recently. He just got it, I think, a day or two ago. So uh, he got hit with the flu and he's out of commission. You know, that, that that's probably going to um, spur Sean's uh, creativity for uh, bit heroes. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, need, I know I'm going to see some new snot looking like infested, sickly <laughs> enemies coming out. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say we get into some gaming news, huh, Steve? Have you heard of the platform Steam? Yes, I I assume you have. Yes, I have. Well, Steam is currently having a winter sale. Right now, you can score some incredibly cool games at steep discounts on the Steam store, including some of the best games from 2017 and some heavy hitters from previous years. I will probably buy the Dishonored 2 thing because I think it's about 30% off, but I took a little look-see. It's between 30 to 75% off on Steam titles. Huh. You know, so just whatever that's worth it to you, yeah, I think that uh, might be worth a little gander or two. This is one that I'm a bit interested in. Street Fighter V Arcade Edition will feature Team versus Mode. Alex Osborne reports the upcoming arcade edition of Street Fighter V will feature a team versus mode, and Capcom has outlined what players can expect from the mode when the updated version of its popular fighter launches next month. As detailed in a post on Capcom Unity, team versus mode will allow you to compete in local battles with teams of up to five members. The mode will allow you to choose between elimination and best of series matches. In the former, the winner remains in the fight until there's only one fighter remaining. In best of series, each team member is matched up against an opposing fighter, and the victor is the team who wins the most matches. With Arcade Edition introducing a second V-Trigger for each fighter, players will be able to select their character's V-Trigger at the start of each match based on the opponent they've matched up against. Street Fighter V Arcade Edition launches on January 16th for 40 bucks USD. Those who already own the, the base game will get the new features via a free update. 
Arcade Edition will include over 200, count them, 200 different endings. You, want, you really want me to count them? Because I'll count them, Russ. <laughs> Six arcade battle paths and more. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this particular story is that um, I was actually wanting to buy Street Fighter V, but the way that they had initially approached the game, they had kind of a, this whole feature of just the versus component lacking. And so I wanted to, I was like, okay, well, I want to get the game, but if it's not going to have like your traditional arcade setup, then it's, I'm not sure if I'm willing to spend the money. But seeing this, I'm definitely going to buy it now because I think that the, the, the upgraded graphics and I mean, it's, it's Street Fighter. You got to have a Street Fighter in your library. Yeah, some people would, Russ, unless you suck at it like I do. <laughs> Moving on to the next topic here. Apple now requires games offering loot boxes to disclose the odds. Alex Osborne reports Apple has revised its guidelines for iOS developers requiring games with loot boxes to disclose the odds of attaining randomized digital goods to consumers before they shell out the cash. Quote, apps offering loot boxes or other mechanisms that provide randomized virtual items for purchase must disclose the odds of receiving each type of item to customers prior to purchase, end quote. And that's what you—that's what you would read if you were looking at the in-app purchase section of Apple's revised App Store guidelines. What do you think about that one, Ashley? That—that uh, that jogs my mind a bit because I think in, in Clash Royale, uh, not actually a little while ago, they came out with the showing the algorithm that they used to give you like a silver uh -huh. loot box and the gold loot yeah. box, and then they got a few more out there, super magical, whatnot. So kind of makes sense. Well, it's interesting how it continues on the narrative of just how companies and countries are trying to deal with this whole new idea of loot boxes. We talked about a few episodes ago about how Belgium was really starting to you know, clamp down on it. Europe's taking a look at it. America's taking a look at it. And while there haven't been any like big laws that have necessarily been passed that bar them from doing loot boxes, it's interesting now that companies are starting to also get involved. I mean, Apple that's a big deal considering that they have their whole app store there where all their games are sold. And for them to put that in there saying, you have to disclose what the odds are. I know for myself, I don't know like if there's a way I could find out Overwatch. I would be very curious to see like, okay, what exactly are the odds of me scoring a legendary skin? Yeah. I would love to see those numbers. Yeah, but they'll probably bury it in the uh, all the fine print, like the EULA. And so <laughs> it, like it's there, but you have to search for a couple days to find it. So, Steve, what exactly, like, which which game or games do you think were the top sellers here in the United States for 2017? Uh, Wolf and Nope. Whatever. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, what do you think the top selling game in the U.S. is of this year? What about uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? No. What about, what was that uh, that Tom Clancy game? The uh, Wildlands? Yeah. Even though that was the best-selling title early on in the year, it is not the best-selling title of the year. I'll give you a hint. It starts with a call and ends with... Duty. Exactly. Call of Duty World War II and Destiny 2 top U.S. sales for 2017. The latest Call of Duty entry surpassed $1 billion with a capital B in sell-through worldwide since its launch in November, making it the best-selling game this year in the United States. 
Activision said, citing NPD, GFK slash GSD, and Activision internal estimates through October 2017. It's also now the top-selling video game franchise for nine consecutive years in North America based on revenue, and the top-selling series worldwide for eight out of nine consecutive years, the company announced. According to the NPD group, Call of Duty World War II is November's best-selling game as well. As for Destiny 2, the latest from Bungie is the second highest selling 2017 game based on revenue and is also Activision's biggest PC launch ever based on units sold. The sequel has now outsold 2014's original Destiny game. So Activision is certainly flexing its muscles going, yeah, check these guns out. You like that? I call this one Call of Duty and this other one Destiny 2. Mm. Yeah. Love it. Additionally, Activision's Crash Bandicoot the Insane Trilogy is the top-selling remaster in PlayStation 4 history. Since its launch in June earlier this year, the game continues to remain among the top 10 selling PS4 titles in the U.S. for 2017. Isn't that crazy? Pretty great, great. I mean, think about like all the games that have come out for PS4, and this old remastered one is still just playing with the big boys. This next article should perk your, your ears up a little bit, Steve. The Witcher 3. Can, can I get a proper pronunciation of The Witcher? The Witcher! And thank you. The Witcher 3 gets Xbox One X patch. PS4 Pro patch coming soon. I knew that was coming. CD Projekt Red published a recent blog post saying that patch 1.60 includes a number of graphical improvements and tweaks across 4K mode and performance mode. The 4K mode um, locks The Witcher 3 at a 4K resolution, of course, with a stable 30 frames per second. Meanwhile, performance mode targets 60 frames per second while scaling the game's resolution from 1080p up to 4K. Both modes support HDR, and you can change between the two settings via the game's options menu. Yep. Display, and then the advanced section. The patch also features various other improvements, such as enhanced shadows, higher resolution textures, ambient occlusion, and texture filtering. All kinds of fancy schmancy goodness in there. A lot of goodies. That's uh, that's like the one main title I'm looking to play when I get the other system whenever uh -huh. that happens. So yeah, the PS4 Pro version of The Witcher 3 recently got 4K support, but a separate patch featuring HDR support, along with a few technical adjustments, will be released for Sony's console in the near future. I figured I'd I'd enjoy playing like playing that one out just because. Uh, your eyeballs would get all wide and you're like, oh, what? what's going on? Yeah. Well, you know, you and I were speaking about back in the day uh, when you were about to, to conquer the game about how environmentally the game looks very, very good, but some of the characters kind of suffered uh -huh. a bit with the look. So right, hopefully right. that'll kind of balance each other out. Well, if the last patch is anything to go by. Yeah, right. Yeah. When this thing comes out, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Once I get an Xbox One X and I get my 4K upgrade and all that fun stuff, I will be playing through probably New Game Plus of yep. The Witcher and just to see what it's like. Arena of Valor. Basically, Arena of Valor. The most popular game in the world comes to North America. I have not heard of this game. Have you heard of this game? I have not, Russ. The developer, which owns League of Legends developer Riot Games, oh. more than 80% of Clash of Clans developer Supercell, <laughs> nearly half of PC Legend Epic Games, and roughly a quarter of Activision Blizzard 
has just released Arena of Valor here in North America. I'm gonna have to check, get check, get check that one out. <clears throat> Arena of Valor, developed by Chinese tech giant Tencent. You've heard of Tencent. Um, has a ludicrous amount of people playing it. <laughs> has it's, a Luda! <laughs> its player base <laughs> mirrors the similarly uh, ludicrous reach of the company that makes it, which recently became the 10th largest company in the world overall. While Arena of Valor has only just started stretching outside of China, the mobile MOBA has over 200 million registered players. 200 million. That's insane. And regularly hits 80 million daily active users. <laughs> By comparison, it absolutely dwarfs even its closest Western competitors. Overwatch, which again, Tencent owns a piece of, only recently hit 35 million players globally. That gives Man. you an idea. Even at the peak of its infectious popularity, Pokemon Go just hit over half of the unique users Arena of Valor gets on any given day. Ginormous. The visual style, um, I took a look at it. It's actually really similar to League of Legends. You can tell that they've, they're have they leveraging the companies that they have stakes in or that, that they own parts of because if you look at it, you're like, oh my gosh, that totally looks like League of Legends. So, And League of Legends has a great visual aesthetic. Somewhat surprisingly, Tencent revealed during a Nintendo Direct um, in September that Arena of Valor would also be leaving its mobile-only routes because currently you can only get it on, you know, for your mobile platforms. But it is planning to launch on the Switch this winter. While the phrase free-to-play mobile MOBA eSport can cause many people's brains to immediately just shut off, the idea of this already widely popular and game coming to Switch could be the explosive that Nintendo needs in the West. Hmm. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm actually surprised that they chose the Switch as the platform for the MOBA. I mean, I guess it, it, it fits, it, it works, but I'm, I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm surprised that they didn't make it cross-platform. Like they didn't make it for PS4 and Xbox as well. I don't know. But like I said, I've never played it, but 200 million players. Pretty redonkulous. I mean, just, just if, if you think of just the microtransactions by itself, it just, each person only spent a dollar. That's $200 million right there. <laughs> Show me the money, baby. Last but not least, PUBG, AKA Player Unknown's, you know, uh, Battleground, is free with the Xbox One X purchase for a limited time. Jordan Serrani reports Player Unknown's Battlegrounds has hit 1 million players on Xbox One, Microsoft announced today. To commemorate the milestone, a free copy of PUBG will be included with every Xbox One X purchase from December 17th through the 31st. Following its Xbox One release on December 12th, PUBG hit the million player mark within its first 48 hours of availability. So in two days, it got a million units. <laughs> wow. That's according to Microsoft as well. The company notes that the promotion will only be offered in select regions, though no specific territories are mentioned. And that's about all of the gaming news we have for today, Steve. Jumping right into movie news. I got a couple of fun little morsels to go over here. <clears throat> While we've been talking a lot about like the, the, the biggest uh, sales and whatnot of gaming, it's interesting to look at 2017's 17 biggest genre movie box office flops. <laughs> Looking at just kind of the numbers of this year, this year's box office has been a disappointment overall. 
This past summer alone was the worst summer movie season the film industry had endured in over a decade. And there have been plenty of other dry spells throughout the year as well. I've been hearing about a lot about this quite a bit. Well, it seems to be kind of like this ongoing thing. Like each year it's, it's kind of creeping a bit worse, a bit yep, worse. Right. While one solid franchises such as Pirates of the Caribbean or Cars or Planet of the Apes and Transformers may have all cracked the domestic box offices top 25 in 2017, they all still posted the worst returns in their respective series. Other movies such as Baywatch, Alien Covenant, and The Mummy were flops at home, but grossed enough overseas to, while still not anything for Hollywood to be thrilled about, at least lessen the sting for their respective studios. So it's interesting to see how certain films are being created intentionally to be to appeal to more of the international audience right, as opposed to just audience, the yeah. domestic audience. So it's an interesting gamble because th I'm sure the producers and you know the bean counters they're probably looking at something and thinking, well we probably won't make as much here in America but we're banking on you know China and India really loving some of the ideology that we put in here so we're, therefore we're going to kind of tailor it for yeah. more of their taste. Now, I was curious what makes a flop. The rule of thumb has long been that a movie needs to make back two and a half times its production budget in order to just break even. And we're not even talking about turning a profit. But there are also advertising, marketing, and distribution, dis, excuse me, distribution costs to factor in. Figures that aren't usually made public, but that can, certainly in the case of a behemoth like Justice League, add another $100 million or more to a film's price tag. So, listed alphabetically are the 17 flops of this year. Blade Runner. And again, before I go any further, th this is just numbers. This is not like, like you know, how, how good the movie is or, you know, quality, whatever. This is just purely just numbers. Blade Runner, Colossal, A Cure for Wellness, Mm. The Dark Tower, Geostorm, yep. Yep. Ghost in the Shell, uh, yep. Justice League, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. King Arthur, yep. the Lego Ninjago movie. I didn't even know there was that out. Life, Monster Trucks. I didn't even know Monster Trucks was yeah, even no. Mother, which I, I knew yep. that was going to do terrible. Yep. The Nut Job 2, Power Rangers, Rock Dog, The Space Between Us, and last but not least, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. How did you even know that came out this year? I thought that came out last year. Anyway. I, that's how bad it was. <laughs> it's pretty interesting, though. I mean, like, just, I mean, that, that is quite the list on there. And, I mean, while the, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie was not listed on there, I think it, it did decently, but it just, it wasn't, it's not nearly as good as, like, the original trilogy. Right. So. The second story we have here for movie news is that the Disney Fox deal could see up to a 10,000 job cut. Matt Davidson reports a Wall Street analyst has predicted that up to 10,000 jobs may be lost as a result of Disney's pending buyout of 21st Century Fox. As detailed in The Hollywood Reporter, there are widespread expectations of, quote, cost savings. Right. following the buyout <laughs> in the realm of $2 billion owing mostly to the fact that there is a, quote, high degree of overlap between Fox and Disney's operations. Jeez. The most likely place for these savings to be made, argues analyst Rich Greenfield, is job cuts, with estimates of anywhere between 5,000 and 10,000 jobs being lost. 
Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Heart uh, goes out to those people out of Fox because, you I mean, they've, you know. As someone who's worked in the entertainment oh, industry, man. my heart definitely goes out to them. I, that That is a terrible position to be in. And if that's, if that's, I mean, I, it makes total sense if you think about Disney's prerogative is to just be able to obtain all those different licensed IPs. They don't care about all the individual. Yeah, no. And that sucks. Yeah. That's a bad Christmas for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they'll be able to, to find their way out of that and, and oh. still be successful. Exactly. Now we're going to jump into some technology news, which we don't do very often on the show, but we've got a couple of doozies here that I wanted to get your opinion on. I, Steve. I'm here. The first one is that Apple acquires music identifying service Shazam. Shazam! Quote, we are thrilled that Shazam and its talented team will be joining Apple, said Apple in a statement issued to Variety. Since the launch of the App Store, Shazam has consistently ranked as one of the most popular apps for iOS, end quote. The company went on to say Apple Music and Shazam are a natural fit, teasing it has exciting plans in store for the future of the service. According to TechCrunch, uh, Snapshot, Snapchat and Spotify were among the other companies that expressed interest in purchasing Shazam, which has been downloaded over a billion times across a wide array of platforms. What are your thoughts on that? I thought they they had already done that a while ago because if you if you use Siri and you ask Siri, what song is this? And she goes, let me listen. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. Uh, it'll it'll show up on the little Siri screen that Shazam it's using Shazam to to do it. Uh, so I always thought that they were already kind of in cahoots. Um, that being said. I don't know. I mean, Shazam is okay, but there's some other like services like SoundHound, for example. I use SoundHound. I have not used Shazam. Yeah. I almost prefer SoundHound over over Shazam, so. Into the Sunday. Well, we have some more Apple news for you. Apple confirmed a longtime conspiracy theory (laughs) and gave regular customers a big reason to distrust it. Business Insider reported the company on Wednesday acknowledged that some people have long suspected that, wait for it, it has been secretly stifling the performance of older iPhones. While Apple admitted to the practice on Wednesday, it sought to underscore that it had done so for a purely altruistic reason to prevent older phones from shutting down unexpectedly. That's their excuse. That's the reason. The justification hasn't mollified Apple's outraged fans. If anything, the company's statement has stoked the conspiracy theories, and for good reason. By the company's own admission, it has been throttling the performance of iPhones since last year. That's 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 what they admit to, is just, oh, well, just since last year. That, that's when we've been mm-hmm. doing it. I can remember with my 6S, when the 7 came out, uh-huh. all of a sudden mine started shutting off if it got too cold. Apparently, allegedly, quote-unquote. I'm like, What? I remember when I was visiting my girlfriend in Canada, and it was we were in the middle of a snowstorm, uh-huh. uh, and uh, and Jasper, which is one of their big national parks out there in Alberta, and it, it, it's freaking cold. Yeah, like it's not a cold day out here. It's like blustering snow, freaking snowstorm. Sure. 
and it would work fine there. And then I came back here and uh, the new phone came out and all of a sudden like, oh yeah, it's too cold. So the phone's gonna shut off. I'm like, no, it's not. I was just in like negative 19 degrees and it was doing just fine before the new model came out. Uh-huh. Whatever. Apple hasn't explained why it didn't disclose the practice until now after Geekbench released charts based on its data that showed how older iPhones were not performing as quickly as they had when they launched. If Apple didn't acknowledge that it was throttling older phones until one year after it started doing so, certain questions will come up like, what else is the company not telling customers? Why should iPhone users believe the company's explanation for why it's throttling phones? And why should they believe that it only started doing that a year ago? Exactly. So the fact is Apple has an incentive to push users to upgrade. It's you know no secret. It makes money selling new devices after all. Um, but that's not justification for them doing it. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. No, no. I think it's crazy how everyone kind of had a sixth sense about it. Yep. Like you don't have to be some big tech head to like see that something's not stirring the Kool-Aid. Because I've seen that ever since like my iPhone 4. I'm thinking, why? Like, I know that this all thing handles sudden, better. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, it just starts to not perform as well. Or, or it, you know, the, 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 the frames per second gets all choppy. Or an app starts to get unstable. Or, or the phone just shuts off. You know, you're just like, what the heck is going on? Exactly. And it... it, it, it it's always like after the new phone comes out too. It's not like it, it kind of creeps up on you. It's always after the new phone comes out. Within a couple months, you start noticing all these old ticks that yeah. were not there before. I know. I know. That's why I always suggest to folks, like when the new software comes out to match the new phone, I'm like, don't upgrade your software right away because, you know, once you do, A, you're going to be dealing with a bunch of bugs. But then again, what your the software that, that came out with your phone initially, that's what it's going to run optimally with. Not right. like the newer software that's right, made to run optimally with the newer phone. Uh -huh. So hold on to that software as long as you can, or at least until like, you know, midway through the software cycle where they've worked out all the bugs. And that's exactly what I do. Like even on my iPhone, I have the iPhone 6 Plus and it's still, it's a great phone. But I intentionally <laughs> make it a point to not just, just download the latest um, iOS that comes out. I intentionally wait because I know there's bugs. You know it's it's yeah. unstable yeah. just based off the dev cycles themselves. And so like, I think what was the current iOS? Like 11? Yeah. I'm currently like, I actually about just a few months ago upgraded to 10. 10. It was like right before 11 came out. And that was at that point, I was like, okay, I'll get 10. And then, you know, 11 comes out. And of course I'm getting the little notification. Hey, you want to you wanna upgrade to 11? I'm like, no. Yeah, no, I'm still I on don't. nine. I got all the, the upgrades for nine and that was it. I'm like, I haven't even gone to 10 yet. <laughs> and I probably won't, to be honest. I mean, the thing is too with these phones is that um, they, they, they do work very well for what they are. Mm -hmm. And people are still happy with the cameras and the apps that, that they have. Oh, and yeah. So a lot of it does work very, very well. So Apple has to do something for you to get interested in the new phone. So it's in whatever. I remember when I had my iPhone 5, I was telling you, but I didn't tell the audience, Russ, that, um, <laughs> you know, that was my, the 5 was my first iPhone and I got it because my girlfriend and I were in this long distance relationship. And so FaceTime was a huge thing for us. And so then after a while, FaceTime would stop working uh -huh. and then uh, like my GPS would stop working. And then what, later on in the game, my, uh, my Siri would stop working and like even now with iOS 9, if I go into the app store, 
and and search for for certain stuff that nothing some stuff won't even load up. Mm-hmm. So like my app store is almost on like a, a hiatus until <laughs> I I upgrade. Right. So before we go any further, round two of the SNES Classic Mini giveaway is still going on. The initial winners we announced never stepped forward to claim their little prizey prize. So we have done another drawing for round two. And the new winner is Heather at Sweep Streak on Twitter. You are the new winner for the round two of the SNES Classic Mini Giveaway Plus Wireless Controllers. So congratulations, Heather. You need to contact us. You have one week to do so on Twitter to claim your prize and to also tell us what your YouTube handle is so we can verify and make sure you did all of the necessary steps to qualify for the prize. I'm getting that tingly sensation, Steve. I think it's time for a Christmas rendition of the topic of the day. Oh, look at that Christmas ham. It's lovely weather. Look at those candy canes dancing in the wind. We're a sleigh ride together. Snowflakes abound. With you. Fat man, a slap on the ass. Ooh, <laughs> run, run, reindeer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so our topic of the day is our favorite game of 2017 and movie. I... You know, at first I was going back and forth with this because I wasn't sure if we should talk about just our favorite game that we played during the year of 2017 or if it should just be games and movies. Let's just keep it simple. Let's keep it our favorite game that came out in 2017 that we played and the favorite movie that came out in 2017 that we watched. How about that? Mm, Sounds like an idea, Russ. Okay. Sounds like a plot. (laughs) And it's about to thicken. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think, Steve, in terms of games? Like, I know, I guess we should do like a disclaimer first, which is to say, obviously we have not played every game that has come out in 2017. If you're looking for more of an official judgment of sorts, then you should probably head over to like IGN or Kotaku or Polygon. They'll they'll have people who have played every single game that has come out and they can give you a, a recommendation. This is just kind of more for joygasm. This is just, just based off the games that we were able to play. So for you, which, like, what game do you think is, is your favorite that came out this year? I would have to say a little bit of Cuphead. Oh, he's going for the Cuphead. And why is that? Well, Russ, I'll tell you, you know, you asked, I told now with the with the Xbox Live uh, games and whatnot, uh, I haven't jumped too much on the bandwagon lately because a lot of them, I you know the, the the better ones obviously you have to pay for, and I tend to not get a good representation of of what the game is and what I'm actually getting for my money. Uh-huh. And so I haven't really uh, jumped on that bandwagon there, Russ, for all the live games. And it's been a long, long time. So I'm like, eh, all the live game, eh, you know, whatever. I'll kind of pass on it. So when Cuphead came out, uh, 
with the animation and the togetherness mm. and the music and the, uh, the, the, the culture of the game, Ross, um, it, 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 it's created this love-hate relationship. <laughs> and I think about it often, maybe fondly, maybe not too fondly. Reminisce, perhaps? Yeah, maybe reminisce, right? And uh, I want you to take a little swig of that. <clears throat> yeah. And I, every single time we, we pass a stage and we give each other a little fist bump, high five, uh, good game, phew! it's 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 like this revelation and i always look forward to like that you know what what can we purchase in game and what's the next animation style you know baddie gonna be Mm -hmm. and uh and whatnot so i I don't know i i that one has to take it for me um because it, it it crosses an avenue that um lately for and for a long time hasn't impressed me it's true and actually, I don't know if you know the. I think the game went double platinum last week, so the sales are still going up and up, and that's great because they they deserve every penny of it. But yeah, it's interesting to think about how a game such as Cuphead is very traditional in terms of the gameplay mechanics. How it's it's just a side scroller, and really, you don't have very many levels in there. It's primarily a boss game. It's a boss fight game, right? But what's interesting about it is that we really haven't seen a game of this type latch on to the kind of the gaming community's conscience uh, the way that this game has and just... Raging conscience. Yeah, well, well, well it's, it's interesting to like look at how, you know, back in the, in, in, um, I don't know, when, when the game first was released, we were talking about how the, the developers were interviewed and they were saying how Gunstar Heroes and Earthworm Jim were some of their, their uh, references, as well as Contra. You know, they, they loved Contra. <clears throat> so it's interesting. Contra's where they got the snapping. The sna- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's interesting to look at, like, when you play, like, I was playing a little bit of Contra on the, the Super Nintendo Classic Mini, and it, you, you can certainly tell that there are, like, sensibilities that are shared between the two games. And even Gunstar Heroes, that was one of my all-time favorite Sega Genesis games. And you can tell that that there was a lot there. So for me, I, what I think is what makes the game special in that regard is the fact that game mechanics are timeless. The graphics and the sound quality can change, right? Like, like as you get more and more powerful consoles or PCs or whatever, you'll have the, the quality of those shift over time and they get more sophisticated, they get better and better. However, at its core, the gameplay mechanics will never get quote unquote old. It's just, it just matters. Like what kind of, what kind of skin are you going to wrap it around? So I guess, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a great choice. Hmm. I think so too, Russ. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Hmm. Ooh, that was hot. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> you made some noises with my nose. So for me, the game, let's see, it's, it's kind of tough. Cuphead is definitely up there. I, I, I keep going. Honestly, I keep. Uh, wow. I have three games. Horizon Zero Dawn, Injustice 2, and Cuphead. Like those three are just really high up there and for different reasons. Well, Russ, I'll tell you what we can do. You can eliminate Cuphead because I already said it. 
Okay, that makes it a little easier. And then so you can flip a coin between injustice. I'm not going to flip a coin. No, I'm not, not going to leave it to chance. Flip a freaking coin. This is too important to leave it to chance. <sighs> it's difficult because just say injustice, uh, Russ. Just say it. I, I, I'm telling you, it's 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 a hard choice for me to make because each title, like Injustice 2 for me, completely revitalized the fighting genre. Like there have been other games that have come out here and there and it's kind of like, yeah, okay. Not as important, Russ. But it didn't capture me um, and, and cause me to obsess over it the way Injustice 2 has. And, and that's saying something because I never even played the first Injustice game. I actually avoided it because I didn't think it was really going to appeal to me all that much. And the fighting, like once again, the, the, the fighting gameplay mechanics, super deep. Like just the sheer amount of characters that you can play in, uh, it, it just offers so many different types of... Um, the sheer amount of base-filled sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even the production value too, when you look at the graphics, you look at the animation, the, the facial animation itself. Like I love watching characters like Harley speak because you're just like, I mean, she looks almost real. It looks so good. But then you go over to Horizon Zero Dawn, and Horizon Zero Dawn is this action-adventure game that I have never witnessed before. Like, it is such a AAA... Like, like it, it's just such a classic example of what a AAA title is. Mm. And being able to, to, to romp through... I mean, it's almost an action RPG in a way, because you are unlocking abilities for your character and you're, you know, upgrading your armor and stuff like that. So it's kind of a cross between action adventure and uh, you know action RPG, but I don't know. I just it's just difficult for me to put a finger on it. I I'm going okay. This is gonna go nowhere fast, Ross, unless you decide something. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with Horizon Zero Dawn as my favorite game of 2017 with a close second being Injustice 2. Oh, well, that's the only other choice. So close. <laughs> well, sure I, it has to I be mean, Cuphead second. was in there too. So yeah, we already eliminated that one. Well, I'm telling you, I, I, I like that game a lot too. Oh, okay, fine. But yeah, I think that 2017, and it's something that we've talked about before on previous episodes, has been just a tremendous year for games. Like when you think of just how many games have come out. Even on my Switch, like, I've just started playing Zelda. And to be perfectly fair, like, if I had actually played through that game and beat it, there's a very good chance that probably would have been my favorite game of 2017, but I just haven't had a chance to play it yet. There's only one of you. There's only one of me. And, and myself. I, and I. And I'm just, like, a quarter percent of you. So, oh my you know, goodness. I, just, so I can't, I can't quarter do percent. it Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Indeed. In terms of movies... This year has also, you know, despite like what we talked about during the movie news about how many movies have uh, flopped this year, there have also been a, I would say, an impressive number of movies that have come out that have been pretty darn good. So for you, Steve, uh, are you able to recall all of the different movies that have come out this year? <laughs> all of them? No. The ones that... Uh... <laughs> no, just the ones you've seen. So, the ones that have been released this year. Well, we saw quite a few movies, Russ. We did. We didn't see them all, but we saw quite a few. Mm -hmm. We saw all the tentpole films, I would say, mm -hmm. and then some. Yes, indeed. 
So what movie uh, is your favorite? Ross, well, I'm going to have to say. Uh-huh. Blade Runner 2049. Oh, wow. He's going for the Blade Runner. That's right. And why is that, Steve? Russ, this, the movie was an unexpected hit for me. Because um, watching the original Blade Runner, uh, it, it, it's a very unique film in itself, but you kind of it kind of takes the, uh, a special someone to uh, let the movie take you where it wants to go. Sure, and to take uh, a film that had come out quite a while ago and capture the essence, the pure essence of the movie, and quite a few later's put it back on on the screen, and it loses nothing at all, and it reimmerses you in this universe. Um, I, I I haven't stopped thinking about it since I watched it. Literally, um, it was a good film, and it's been the one one film I've I've mentioned to you know like for example, a lot of folks uh, liked Guardians of the Galaxy too, and that probably was my runner up. Uh-huh. Um, and I I told people that they should see it, but this one was completely different for me, and um, I have spread the word like a wildfire to people I know, saying you have to watch it. I mean, even if you're not a sci-fi buff. The psychological angle that it that it has uh, really trips your mind and causes you to think and um, causes you to talk about it with other people. Like you have to talk about this movie. You can't keep it all inside you. Yeah. So that that's uh, that's definitely my pick. That's a good pick. It's a very big good pick, there, Steve. It is, Russ. Thank you very much. This is something also. Oh, here we go again. What is it? I'm a thoughtful guy. Okay, this is hard for me. I mean, think about it. Like we saw. Okay, Baby Driver. Mm -hmm. There was Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. Spider Man Homecoming. Mm -hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Mm -hmm. You had your Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman. You did. I mean. so many movies. So many superhero movies, though, Russ. So many good superhero movies, Steve. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. It's very difficult indeed. Mm. You have to separate those two, Russ. Uh, man, it is tough. I'm glad you gave it so much thought before the show. <laughs> I did. Well, that was the problem. Was like, before, like I, I, so I text Steve telling him what the topic of the day was going to be today, and then... The entire time I'm freaking out because I'm having such a hard time deciding for myself. To me, it's uh, it's very simple. Right. What is that? Uh, because I also am a very thoughtful individual. Mm. I've been thinking about this for a long time. You're not thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> I am thoughtful. <laughs> very thoughtful. It is tough, man. It's... Well, I'm going to go play some Cuphead. <laughs> We're going to break for a bit and when we come back, Russell's going to have his answer. Okay. I am going to say that my favorite film of 2017. Should we play the music again? No, no. No, no, no. Okay. I'm going to say Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Ah, GOTG. Exactly. Just because when that film came out, I wasn't sure if they were going to be able to replicate the same magic that they did from the first film. Mm-hmm. Not only did they replicate it, I think it was actually even better than the first film. Like it, like they hit every single nail straight on. And it was, it was like one of those rare moments, like when you're watching Lord of the Rings and you're watching the two towers mm-hmm. and you have that, that moment where you're just like, Oh my gosh, this is 
this is easily just as good as Fellowship of the yeah. Ring, if not better. This right. is, I think this is, this might actually be better than the first. How is that possible? That is so rare. Yeah. So, you know, director James Gunn, uh, just being at the helm, he, he's done a terrific job with Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's just, golly, it's, it's such a fun film. I remember us just totally geeking out after we got back and doing a review of it. And that was our first <clears throat> movie review too. I believe you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is very true. Well, you know what? We should listen to that again. We should. We should see exactly what we had to say about that film. But having said that, looking at these other films like Wonder Woman, for example, Wonder Woman was a, just a great movie as well. What, what, what kind of kicked it out of as being my top pick of the year, however, was just that whole mustache bad yeah. guy at the end. It just, it just, nope. They just couldn't, couldn't cross that finish line for me. Uh, Spider-Man homecoming, even though it was a great Spidey flick, it's just like, uh, it's just, it just wasn't quite like when, in terms of my favorite film of this year, once again, it just wasn't quite at the epic scale, even Dunkirk, you know, Dunkirk was an intense movie, but, um, it just didn't have that certain something that, mm -hmm. you know, beats the others out. So I, yeah, my, my brain just kind of ping pong back to gardens, of the galaxy volume dose. Dunkirk. Yeah. In a way that, that, that was missing something. I remember talking about it and feeling affected by the movie and, but, but it, it, something dropped the ball or something wasn't in the movie that, that had that lasting impression. It might've, it might've been the drama. It might've been missing like the, that characterization drama that something similar. Well, uh, Saving Private Ryan had, for example, <laughs> like you are following this bunch of people and getting to know them and their story and where they came from. And, uh, and so you were with them the entire movie. And so when they got hurt or when they died, you, you really felt it. There wasn't really any of that in, in Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you did follow around certain people, but, uh, you didn't really feel nearly as attached to them as say Saving Private Ryan. Sure. And I think maybe that was, that was, uh, what was missing to give it a, a higher score, at least for me. Uh huh. Still, nevertheless, I'm, I'm going to go out and get it and, uh, rewatch it. Well, even with baby driver, I mean, baby driver was such an original <laughs> approach to filmmaking and, and it definitely is a high point this year. True. But again, like I said, I mean, there, there were several films that were just like, man, they were great films, but just, you know, which one's going to take the, the top spot. Yeah. I also considered baby driver. That one was definitely unexpected. And, uh, I mean, we, we talked about it and I, and me watching the trailer, uh, and going, yeah, like, you know, whatever. And, going, <laughs> and then coming out of the theater going, yeah, I feel greatly entertained by it. Oh, this is a great day. That was a big turnaround moment yeah, for you. I, I remember you were not impressed by the trailer and I was like all gung ho. I'm like, yes. Yeah. It was yeah. cool to see you all of a sudden go, man, this is actually really good. Yeah. I, now, but I, however, I do think the the third runner up for me would have been Wonder Woman because, yeah. uh, I, I was never really into Wonder Woman as a, as a kid. Uh, to, but to, Patty Jenkins bringing out this film, mm -hmm. uh, doing such a superior job with it, not only with the characters and the setting and creating Wonder Woman when I just passed off Wonder right. Woman back in the day. Yeah. Uh, such a good movie. So, but you know what? We, it's funny when you, when we think about the movies that we've seen, because there's so many superhero movies, like, okay, well, what superhero <laughs> movie was your favorite? You know, what was your, so 
Well, and that's not going to slow down next year either because yeah, we have Avengers Infinity War coming out. I think that we have Deadpool coming out. Right. Um, I know that there's some um, some DC films. I think Aquaman is slated to come out. So is Flashpoint. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not even sure. I'll have to look at my, my whole uh, superhero list of movies just to see uh, what we have coming out. But I think, I think that's going to be the case for many years to come. Yeah. Did you have any other thoughts about that, Steve? Or is that pretty much it? No, Ryan, I think that's pretty much it. Well, I think that wraps it up for this particular episode. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and subscribe to get the most out of the show. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on soundcloud.com slash joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live. Until next time, folks, we hope you have a very Merry Christmas. And if we don't hear from you until two weeks from now, a Happy New Year. Indeed. 